I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Nine Cents is a podcast devoted to the satanic perspective of our modern world. This is a re-recording of the original. I had some audio issues, and, uh, well, quite frankly, uh, it was not salvageable at all. So I'm hoping I can sort of uh, at least attempt uh, to recreate what I had uh, put together the first time. First of all, Nine Cents is a personal project of mine that, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like there was a, a commentary formed satanic podcast out there currently. Um, there were some that I used to listen to, but they sort of just, you know, they, they put themselves on hiatus. Um, a little footnote is that there is Radio Free Satan out there, uh, RadioFreeSatan.com. If you want to check them out, uh, fantastic streaming live, and you can also um, download the podcast individually. Um, I guess some contact information. Uh, you can find me on Ustream at channel 9-Sense, or on Facebook, just search 9-Sense, um, altogether no spaces, and you should be able to locate it. I'm also on the SatanNet website, um, and you can find me on the forums there as well. I'm going to be coming to you every week um, in a format that's broken into three distinct sections. So the first section is going to be Devil's Advocate, and that's where I address um, or uh, inform you about uh, the Church of Satan as an organization. Um, We're going to start with how it was formed and why it was formed, who it was formed by, um, and for. Um, and then sort of go into the basic ideas of what it means to be a Satanist or what Satanism is uh, as an organization. Uh, after that section, I'm going to uh, start up the Infernal Informant. This is where I take modern events uh, worldwide or local in the United States, and sort of address them with a satanic, satanic uh, perspective. You know, just sort of uh, let people know from my point of view uh, how how the world works and turns. And hopefully, it's entertaining. Uh, hopefully, it's something that you're going to want to listen to. You know, on a weekly basis. Um, and the last section is creature feature, where I will talk about a specific uh, type of media, whether it's movies or music or books or um, performance art or just artwork in general. Whatever it is, I'm going to bring it to you uh, because it holds within it some form of uh, satanic perspective. Uh, so if you see a theme here, you're, uh, you're picking up what I'm putting down there. <laughs> you know, being a Satanist, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, And I guess I should take this opportunity to first and foremost explain that I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Uh, I am not a representative of the Church of Satan. At times, my perspectives 
um, my points of view may differ with that of the organization that is the Church of Satan. And I don't want anyone listening to think that, you know, I speak for it as a whole, because, quite frankly, I don't think anyone needs to speak for it. It speaks for itself quite well. So what did I do this week? Well, um, I hung out with a couple of different friends. I homebrew, and so I bottled uh, Scottish ale, which I'm looking forward to in a couple of months. Um, I put down the last of my Bohemian Pilsner, which was quite good. Uh, I tested out uh, the uh, Riesling wine that I had, uh, my wife and I had put together and last September. It's still very young. It's, it's still probably got a good two years on it before it's going to be worth drinking. Um, but it's okay. I mean, the, the grapes themselves are really, really sweet. Um, and I like doing things, you know, myself with my own hands. Like, um, my wife and I just started up a garden last year um, after having sort of worked on our yard since we moved in for a number of years to try to get it, you know, to where we wanted it before we put the time and effort to voting a garden. I think it's important that you have a form of a connection with, um, you know, with the earth. You have to, um, at some point, go back to your ancestral roots and do things for yourself. You know, there's nothing wrong with um, experiencing and benefiting from uh, what society has developed. But for me personally, if I don't have that connection with nature, be it camping or hiking or uh, gardening um, or making things with with fresh local ingredients, um, you know, like my my wine or my beer, then I, I truly feel um, disconnected from myself. You know, I just I just need that that bond that comes with creation. Uh, also this week, I hung out with a couple friends. I went bowling with some old friends I hadn't seen in much longer than I anticipated. And, you know, it's it's really weird whenever you get together with friends after a hiatus. You know, I want to sit and I really want to um, sort of be wrapped up in their personalities, um, you know, and, and sort of experience them on a complete level. Uh, I really like to understand my friends and to, for the time I'm with them, you know, really be a part of them, really, truly experience them. And when you haven't seen someone in a long time, you can't really do that. Um, you know, cutting out the external factors that are involved, you just can't really squeeze in months of absence, um, you know, into like two hours of sitting down and chatting. I mean, there's just so much that goes on in, in people's thoughts and in the world that you would like to talk about, and you just can't get it done. Uh, more uh, more compounding the problem was that we went to a bowling alley and we were bowling um, two games. And, you know, I don't mind bowling as an activity, but going bowling, there's this... And maybe it's just me. I have this idea of a bowler. To me, a bowler is really overweight and sloppy and messy and has like Pabst Blue Ribbon dripping down their face and mushroom stained fucking t-shirts and really just, just sloppy and, and sort of disgusting and smelly and, and they're sitting there uh, tapping their ash from their cigarettes into their belly button and those are the ladies. But I can't help 
but find myself, while I'm bowling, wishing that I was one of those people. So that, you know, and, and I, this can't just be me, but when you're bowling, you know, there's this audience about you. And yes, you have your own lanes, but everyone looks at everyone else's game as they're going. You know, I mean, there's obviously the courtesy of letting whoever stepped up uh, to the lane first, you know, toss their ball down the lane. And that during that time, you're watching them or they're watching you, and you're watching the result and you're judging the result. And this is the most absurd of all games, but you can't help but want to be good. I can't help but want to be good at, at anything I do whenever I do it. And if that means being, for the briefest of moments, uh, or in my case, wanting to be in the brief, for the briefest of moments, that, gosh, just that, that, that personification of the bowler that I so revile that, you know, really isn't even true, but I, I like to uh, attach um, images to uh, ideas and activities in my mind. Um, that, you, you know, it, it, you, you want to do it. You just want to be connected with it for that moment so you don't look like a jackass uh, when you almost slip and fall on the lane uh, or when you go straight to the gutter right away or when you toss the ball a little bit too far up and it comes crashing down and you're afraid you're going to, like, break the wood on the lane or something because it hits so damn hard and it reverberates across the, the entire <laughs> alley and it seems as if everyone has stopped what they're doing, and they turn to look at you as the sound of wood splintering reverberates throughout the alley. Not that I'd done that. I would never do that. I'm totally an awesome bowler. Kick ass. <laughs> no. Um, Alright, so yeah, I mean, we went bowling, um, and it was, you know, it was entertaining, but, you know, the point of this is that I, I, I didn't get to sort of absorb their personalities as I'd wanted to. Uh, so I guess I'm just going to have to try to hang out with them more often. Uh, which is fine by me. Um, you know, for me, friendship, and I can't help but think that this might apply to <clears throat> virtually any Satanist because of uh, the nature um, of who we are, is that when we find someone that we are connected to or attracted to, um, we really latch on to that, and, uh, you know, not in a creepy, stalker, obsessive way, but in a celebration of friendship, or celebration of relationship sort of way. Um, you know, one of our beliefs is, uh, uh, love to those who deserve it, um, instead of wasting on ingrates, paraphrase. So, um, you know, when you find someone that's worthy of your affection, or attention, or love, or respect, you know, you, you provide it in droves. And so that's what I want to do. So I guess I'm just going to have to move in with them. You know, they're not even going to get a choice. I'm just going to move in with them for like a week and a half so that I can feel like I got my fix, so to speak. All right, um, so how about we get back to the show, the point of this whole thing. Sorry, I'm rambling on here. Um, let's move over to the Devil's Advocate. See you there.
the invocation to Satan. It's a little bit of theatrics, but I feel it's apropos. In nomine de nostri satanus luciferi excelsi. In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king of the world, I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon me. Open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss to meet me as your brother and friend. Grant me the indulgences of which I speak. I have taken thy name as part of myself. I live as the beasts of the field, rejoicing in the fleshly life. I favor the just and curse the wrong. By all the gods of the pit, I command that these things of which I speak shall come to pass. Come forth and answer to your names by manifesting my desires. Oh, hear the names. Abaddon. Mitya. Beelzebub. Asmodeus. I was first introduced to Satanism growing up in the Satanic Panic era of the 80s. Uh, I lived in Salem at the time, which is this small town um, in the middle of nowhere in Utah. Uh, the entire town seemed to be uh, LDS Mormon faith. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned Satanic Panic because in that time there was a lot of uh, bullshit about um, satanic abuses. And there was always that town that had that evil devil-worshipping cult in the wood that's you know doing some fucking crazy shit like like cutting up small animals or sacrificing babies and, you know it was, it was the, the different churches way of keeping their flock close you know just pulling them in close to themselves don't go out into the woods at night because the satanists the devil worshippers would get you satan is right there load of horse shit i mean all of it is just fucking bullshit and it's terrible because not only um did it give a, a legitimate organization a bad name? Um, but it was done in the most uh, shameful of ways in order to promote what people are calling the truth. So literally, they're lying to you to convince you that they're telling the truth. And really, that notion isn't so crazy. I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's the way life is. That's the way religion gets by, but... When you're on the other end of it, it it's a bitch. Alright. So, um, I was introduced to Satanism in the 80s um, through the faith and through the fear and through Donna, Donna used talk shows and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I was eight years old and my parents had me baptized in the Mormon church. Um, and it was actually a really awkward time. I mean, anyone that young, you know, you're too young to be able to comprehend uh, decisions um, of that nature. But, you know, you're always led to believe that you're supposed to feel something. That from that moment, uh, you are now part of the flock. And I was always an outcast. And, and it could have been because of my behavior. It could have been because I rubbed the other kids the wrong way. Um, it could have been because everyone could smell Satanism on me, though it hadn't had a word to it. Um, I was just different. Um, and I don't mean that in like, you know, I'm different, I'm badass. I actually had kind of a, a horrible time because none of the other fucking kids really would play with me. I, I always had like one, and if I was lucky, two 
friends that I would hang out with, but for the most part, man, I gotta tell you, I was, I was hanging out with my family, uh, my sisters and brothers, my brother. Um, and I didn't really have any exterior influences. Um, I gotta tell you, as soon as I started to, uh, I started to hear about, um, I had some Catholic friends, and they would talk about how, oh, my older brother has the Book of Satan, and, the satanic bible and you know you're always interested i was always drawn to the dark and, and the perceived evil and, and the mean stuff i mean i used to wake up at like five in the morning and, and watch nightmare on elm street on hbo until my parents cut it off you know i was always like i, you know, I gotta tribute my sister with this she got me into horror films when i was a kid and i i've never looked back fantastic um, absolutely love it but that dark imagery has always stayed with me um and i started to uh a little bit of sympathy for the bad guys. I mean, certainly they were doing some some awful, horrible things, um, but I wasn't entirely sure of why they were doing them. And that might be actually why it connected so much with The Nightmare on Elm Street, because uh, though the remake explicitly, you know, called out that he was a child molester, which is fucking horrible, and he should be fucking just shot in the face for that. Um, in the original, you know, as a child, they, they didn't, you know, infer that there was something like that going on, but I never picked up on it. So literally, as a child, I saw this this character, Freddy Krueger, who was burned alive by these parents for no apparent reason, none that I picked up at the time. Um, and then he went around, you know, killing the kids. And so I was like, well, you know, there there's a certain amount of justice in that. Now, of course, if I had my druthers nowadays, you know, he would be killing the parents. Um, and then, you know, to add on to that, since I know why they burned him alive, I didn't have any problem with that at all. But it was the the act of revenge and the fact that I didn't fully, you know, understand why he was doing that. That sort of just drew me into this dark character. You know, he had the ability to just go into your dreams. So reality meant nothing to this character. And, and that was how I sort of felt about this idea of Satan. You know, they always say... Um, Satan is in all of you. Um, and, fuck, who knew? They were fucking right. I mean, they were absolutely telling the fucking straight-up truth. They were absolutely right. He is in all of us. He's certainly in me. Um, so, when I started to um, pursue this satanic uh, part of my life, you know, it caused a big, as you could imagine, um, a big stir in my family. Um, my mom didn't take it very well. Uh, she would freak out when I was gone and run down to the, I lived in the basement of our house, and she uh, came down to the basement and would scream to the unfinished basement cement walls, you can't have my son, you know. You know, shit that, if you could YouTube it nowadays, it'd probably be fucking hilarious. But to her, you know, it was it was a really terrible, terrible time. Her son was turning to the dark side. Um, and you know what? I gotta be honest. At first, I, I did it because I just wanted to uh, rebel against the structure that was, you know, that church in our household. And my parents were actually, you know, some of the more liberal uh, LDS members, so I can only imagine the shit that people go through with the real fucking religious families. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to associate myself with the bad side of things. Um, I, I ended up finally buying the Satanic Bible, and it threw my whole fucking world for a loop, because, you know, here is this what I expect to be treaties straight to, you know, raising the devil from hell, and it ended up being more like a self-help book. 
nothing wrong with that, but it, it, it really did shock me. Um, and then I refused to shake the stigma that Satanism had to offer me. And so I kept reading. Uh, and I realized um, this was just a straight-up explanation of, of why I feel the way I do and uh, great ways of expressing myself. Um, and instead of feeling shitty that I didn't fit in with all of the other flock of sheep that I was surrounded by, you know, I could celebrate my individuality and celebrate my, my own strength for being the Satanism or the Satanist that I am. Uh, it was, it was a pretty big fucking deal for me. Um, you know, but also at that time, you know, I was going through the anxieties of being a, a, a young teenager going through junior high and high school. There's a lot to be, you know, said about going through those times. Your hormones are running crazy wild. Um, and you're doing a lot of stupid shit. So, to to say that I took it seriously, even though I accepted it as a part of my uh, being, a part of who I am, it helped define me, um, would be uh, foolish. Because, you know, it, it wasn't until after high school, um, when I joined the military, that I truly stepped into the fold and I joined the church and um, truly understood the philosophy. So, the Church of Satan, how was it formed? Um, the Church of Satan was formed by Anton Zandor LeVay in uh, 1966, uh, more specifically on Walpurgis Nacht, um, the night of April 30th to May 1st. Um, this is known as bell time to some of you pagans out there. Uh, it's it's a time of renewal when the earth and all of its residents are shaking off the darkness and the cold of the winter and excuse me celebrating the coming spring uh, a time when uh, demons and devils would roam the earth um, and just glory in the coming spring. Um, Anton LaVey shaved his head and um, he did it in sort of uh, an ode to uh, like the medieval executioners or, or um, you know, ancient black magic magicians of uh, centuries past um, and formally called it Anosatanus, first year of the reign of Satan. And uh, 45 years later, man, they're still going strong. So fucking obviously did something right. Um, he formed it, and this, you know, sort of uh, parallels a lot of our own individual experiences if you've ever been interested in the occult, and if you're a Satanist, obviously you have been. Um, you hear stories about ancient evils and uh, ancient powers and, and mystical things, and it draws you to it, um, and you start your own means of uncovering things. And you come across groups like the Golden Dawn, and, um, your general uh, nature-loving pagans, and, and none of it quite really connects with you and, and, and fills you with this sense of, of strength. Um, and not to mention that, you know, at that time, um, in the 60s and, and 50s and 40s, you know, we're living through a Victorian ethics era where um, Christian values were the norm, 
and it wasn't the norm it was forced norm so that you know people naturally are still cheating on their wives and they're going to peak shows um, or they're watching uh, dirty films or looking at uh, pictures and yet every Sunday they go right back to church and praise Jesus and Hail Mary and toss in their dime to the collection plate uh, Anton LaVey recognized this absurdity and thought that there should be an organized structured church um, to oppose that notion now, when I say oppose, I don't mean actively promote against it. Satanism is actually more of um, celebrating oneself than it is um, <laughs> demonizing other groups. Uh, but um, he uh, he felt that he could offer something in a genuine way uh, that no one else could. And you know what? I think he was absolutely right, because there have been a lot of pretenders that came up after him. And there, there were even quite a few before him that he sort of um, leaned on and borrowed from. Uh, and I'll get into more detail on another episode about Anton himself and his biography. But just to say how the church began and, and why he began it, um, I think that should do. Um, so, we know how and why the church began. How about what it means? A lot of you out there are going to obviously, being Satanists, know um, the nine satanic statements. You're going to you're going to understand them and everything. But you know, let let me go over them for those who are listening that maybe are just wanting to uh, hear some new perspective on things, or or maybe are just starting their foray into Satanism. Um, and if that's all right, then uh, I think we'll just go ahead with it. So the nine satanic statements. Uh, statement 1. Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. That's pretty obvious. Um, and, and it's straight opposite to the uh, the rhetoric that the uh, Islamic Judeo-Christian faiths push onto you. Um, their idea is that if you don't do it, um, then uh, when you die, you can. Which, I mean, you boil it down and that's what it is. You know, don't do it while you're alive. When you get to heaven, you'll have all the glories and wonders that you could have experienced when you were alive, but, you know, you'll be better off for it. Because you'll have it forever. That's a thing, forever. Number two, uh, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. And that goes, um, kind of piggybacking what I just mentioned. Um, he represents the here and the now, rather than the would-be heaven. Now, there are Satanists that will go out of their way to sort of tear down the idea of um, Christianity. Um, and then there are those who just don't concern themselves with it. You know, I mean, they see people living their lives and they just sort of turn away and, you know, they're going to do their thing. I, I don't really care about it. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, at the at the heart of this uh, statement here is that you need to focus on who you are right now and if you're focusing on what other people are doing then you might as well just be doing what they're doing because all they're doing is focusing on what they will be doing you know you need to keep your head straight on the ground here have individual goals for your life and, and strive to fulfill those goals 
Statement number three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-defeat. You know, the tens of Satanism are, are deeply ingrained with uh, humanism, um, with the natural order of mankind. Um, and I say natural order, and I don't mean it in sort of uh, the biblical way, obviously, of um, God says we should be doing this and this. I mean, the way you actually are. You know, if someone fucking hits you in the face, you're going to want to fucking hit them back. You know, for every action, man, equal and opposite reaction. It's not turning to the fucking cheek. You know, you can fill yourself up with whatever spiritual pipe things you want, and that's fucking awesome. You know, do, do your thing. But um, there's, there's a reason why we think the way we do. And, and why we want to do the things that we want to do. So embrace it, man. Because that's the real power right there, is, is understanding it, accepting it, and doing it. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it, instead of love wasted on ingrates. And this is another one of those where, um, you know, we're not out to knock people down as Satanists. You know, we're going to celebrate life, and we're going to celebrate um, those people who we deem worthy of celebrating. Um, but we're not going to go out of our way and, and shit on someone else for no fucking reason. And certainly, if they don't fucking deserve it, then fuck off. You don't need to waste your time, man. Statement number five. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Really, that's fucking straight up. As it is, that's the natural order of behavior. I tell you, if someone is going to uh, shit on me, I am going to uh, beat them down and shit on them. You know, that's just the way it, it is. Uh, sometimes you are forced um, into a symbolic state where there are plenty of rituals uh, to be performed. Sometimes it is a literal thing where, you know what, if you understand the consequences... And you're willing to pay those consequences. Well, by all means, they deserved it. Give it to them. Statement number six. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. <clears throat> here, here, man. This goes, you know, hand in hand with kindness does it deserve it. Um, if someone doesn't deserve something, why would you give it to them? And psychic vampires, you know, it has this sort of image that goes along with it. But really all it means is someone that drains energy from you. You know, that's what it comes down to. Someone that drains resources from you. Satan represents man as just another animal. Sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. You know, Satanists will recognize that we are animals. Um, and there are things that <clears throat> we can do that animals can't, that obviously set us apart and uh, celebrate that. You know, art, music, um, true unbridled affection through action. You know, we have the benefit of resources, of creation. And, you know, beast in the field doesn't, so 
we need to uh, we need to really respect that, but you know, not go so far as to forget where we came from. Uh, statement eight: Satan represents all of the so-called sins, as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. You know, there's a misunderstood uh, statement that Alistair Crowley said, um, I believe, when he was with uh, uh, the Golden Dawn of uh, "Do as thou wilt should be the whole law." Um, misunderstood because that's not, you know, in context. Uh, but a lot of people think that this statement um, means that. And it's not the truth. It doesn't. Um, individually and the society in which you belong uh, will sort of provide the bounds that you should be in um, for your indulgence to the sins, um, but within those bounds, <clears throat> man, go crazy if you want, um, there's no reason to abstain, as long as you're rational about it, and honest, and it's accepted on all sides, you know, don't feel shame, in the Ninth Satanic Statement, the most powerful of all, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. Without him, there's no bad guy. Without no bad guy, why would you want to be a good guy? So those are the basic beliefs um, of Satanism. Um, and like I said before, this is this is really surface type shit. And we'll, we'll delve deeper into it than this uh, in the following episodes. Uh, but I just thought, um, you know, you might find it interesting uh, from my point of view, um, or just to uh, hear it for the first time. And so it is done. Alright, it's time for Infernal Informant. I actually had some things I wanted to talk about. Um, the Egypt um, situation um, with their president. But a friend of mine sent out this link. So it's really centered here in Utah. Um, but the, the message itself um, is, is pretty you know, far-reaching, especially in today's political environment. Republican LeVar Christensen... Republican of Draper, Utah, um, the same who helped craft Utah's ban on gay marriage, is sponsoring um, a redefining of family policy. This is House Bill 270. <laughs> it's called family policy, and this is this is bitch. Uh, this this gets my blood boiling here. Um, so I'm going to read some of these points and then I'm going to address them. Uh, point one. The institution, and this is quoted here, the institution of marriage and family consisting of the legal union of a man and a woman and children conceived and born to or adopted by the married couple as father and mother 
is the fundamental unit of society and the optimum environment in which to nurture and raise a child. 2. Marriage and family predate all governments and are supported by and consistent with the laws of nature <laughs> I don't even want to say this and nature's God, the creator and supreme judge of the world, affirmed in the nation's founding declaration of independence. Motherfucker. 3. Marriage represents the legal sanction and approval of society and it's essential to ordered liberty and public virtue. Uh, for provoking, I'm sorry, procreating within marriage links generations and it's fundamental to the perpetuity. I'm sorry. Uh, perpetuity of, of humanity. Uh, well, duh. I mean, really fucking stupid. Of course it is. They have to fucking put that in the bill. 5A. Families anchored by both a father and mother, fidelity within marriage, and enduring devotion to the covenants and responsibilities of marriage, are the desired norm. B. Cultures and societies where laws, practices, and public policies protect, preserve, and promote such enduring and time-honored family values and principles are happiest, healthiest, and most stable. I don't know about you guys, but I've never met one family that's happy, healthy, or stable. Six, the furtherance and protection of order and public morality are legitimate and substantial government interests. Like A leads to B. Ugh. Uh, seven, to the extent social problems arise that adversely affect the desired optimum family conditions, such as the dissolution of marriage, crime, poverty, immorality, violence, and other conditions that place added responsibilities on individuals and communities through publicly funded and administered social programs and government services, laws and regulations shall be carefully scrutinized to determine how they impact the family and the protection of children. Are you fucking kidding me? 8a. The laws of the state shall, to the fullest extent possible, strengthen, safeguard, and sustain families. As long as that family is a father and a mother living in the uh, accepted norm within the bounds of the laws of nature and nature's God. They shall respect and promote the essential and complementary roles of both the father and mother and uphold the public policy for the greatest public good. You know, men and women don't always fall <clears throat> excuse me, in those straight roles of father and mother. I know some very effeminate men who are not gay. They're just effeminate. I know some very masculine women who are not lesbians. But they are women. And they're very masculine. So this desired norm that this asshat is trying to put into the fucking state constitution um, is a lie. And one that, I might add, um, goes on the back of discrimination. The only reason why this is even fucking brought forth is to stop fucking loving homosexual men and women from having a union and adopting children. I mean, it's just absurd that in, in, in our age, where now finally... Homosexual men and women can openly serve in our fucking military, but they can't come home and be open with the family. I mean, it's just fucking retarded. Now, you know, I gotta say, I'm not gay. Um, I really have no problem 
with homosexual behavior. I can understand how one man can find another man attractive. I can understand how a woman, I certainly understand this, how another woman could find another woman attractive. Um, but the idea that they can um, discriminate so blatantly and openly against them in this, and, and not to mention the language. You know, how long until it's only Christians? Now, I don't think everyone understands, you know, the idea that marriage is this loving institution, because a lot of the times, most of the times, it's not. You know, people are doing it because they just want to fuck, and then they get sick of each other, and they get a fucking divorce and move on. And, you know, hopefully they don't have any fucking children that they're going to fucking, you know, put into a terrible situation in the process. I mean, I'm not, I'm not for marriage as a requirement as an adult. But if you genuinely want to spend your life with someone, whether you're gay or straight, fucking do it. And for this asshat to put this fucking proposal, this house bill up onto the floor is just, you know, coming from a church who spits out this rhetoric about uh, love and peace and acceptance. How can anyone with a rational mind see that and think, that makes sense. Good choice. Good job. It's just, it's just fucking absurd, and it really pisses me the fuck off. And this Republican LeVar Christensen is just... I mean, he's following the Republican fucking platform, you know, obviously. You know, and, and this is where I've got to break into a, sort of a, a political statement here. I, and certainly the, the Church of Satan, do not have a political affiliation. You know, Satanism is, is a very large tent, and there's a lot of different people um, that fall under it. And so, you know, you're going to have Republican Satanists, and you're going to have Democrat Satanists. Um, myself, I'm not a Republican, I'm certainly not a Democrat. <clears throat> I think of myself as a uh, socially liberal, uh, fiscally conservative, um, anti-other government influencing American. You know, I just don't see any need to put ourselves out there as much as we are. Um, but I, I certainly don't appreciate it uh, when you have a bigoted platform and seeing that bigoted platform uh, being put into law. You know, it's really aggravating because most of the people here in Utah aren't even fucking Mormon. And though the majority probably are Christians, um, I actually know more LDS Mormons who are not um, racist and are not um, bigots against homosexuals than, than are. So really, these people are fucking catering to this uh, sort of aging society of, of ingrained um, social bigots. You know, because they're apparently the only fucking group that goes out and votes. You know, the young people, or, or anyone under fucking 40, seems to think that, you know, the poll should come to them, and, and society should just fucking change on its own. Fucking aggravating. Alright, well, I just wanted to kind of get that out there, that infernal format. Let people know what kind of bullshit is going on in this in, you know, wonderful country of ours. <laughs> I, I truly do. You know, I, I served in the army, um, and I, I developed a sense of pride. Um, and true love 
um, for America when I was in the army. Um, my eyes well up whenever I see the flag uh, being raised and uh, the national anthem being played. But uh, that doesn't stop me from questioning her political sways through the years. Alright, so um, that was Infernal Informant. Thanks for hanging around. Um, I've got uh, one more segment to go, Creature Feature. Just a second. Feature feature today is going to be I spit on your grave. This is an awesome show, and I you know it's not awesome because it's <clears throat> groundbreaking and new. <clears throat> there have actually been a couple shows like this, but uh, you know it it takes sort of the horror film or the um, it's actually a little bit more of like a suspense slash gore than it is horror film, but we're gonna call it horror for the sake of this. Um, it takes sort of the horror film and, and turns it on its head. Actually a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street where the heroine uh, you know, becomes uh, the punisher of the bad guy. And you know, most gore flicks it's sort of like just the bad guy just tears everyone apart. Uh, well, you know, let me give you a brief rundown of this show. Okay, so it's I Spit on Your Grave. It just came out. It's about this young novelist female who decides to go out into the country, um, you know, just Midwest forest place, um, rent a cabin for a couple months in order to write her next novel. You know, which is awesome. I'd love to do something like that. Unless, of course, the outcomes are like this movie. So she goes out there. On the way out there, she stops at a gas station and... Um, through some really bad flirting uh, and uh, an alarm, upsets the gas station attendants, these really sort of infantile, stereotypical backwoods men. And, you know, there's this real deliverance moment with teeth and a horse. And I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but just, you know, there's this real sort of absurd moment with animals, um, animal theme. Uh, and then they just horrifically abuse this poor girl, um, which, you know, as as an avid horror film fan, it was still a little bit difficult to see. Uh, you know, I, I've actually got a daughter, and so whenever I see women being abused, and I was raised by some very powerful women who ingrained love and respect for women into me. Um, so just, just seeing sort of the abuses that happened, uh, you know, it was really fucking difficult. Um, and it, the only reason why I even grabbed the movie to watch was because I knew it was coming on the other side. Vengeance, baby. No turning the other cheek in this motherfucker. She gets back and she gets revenge in a horrible, horrible way. I mean, really hard to watch, but very kind of creative. Like, I'm sure it's been done a hundred times, but personally, I hadn't 
seen these these ways. Um, <laughs> it's just it's fucking awesome. I mean, you've got to see it. There's there's a scene where uh, literally you watch as crows peck a guy's eyes out. I mean, that alone is just fucking awesome. It's like the eye bursts like a fucking grape squoze. I mean, fucking just sick. Um, but, you know, I, I bring up this show because of the vengeance, vengeance factor. You know, it, it would have been very easy for that woman to just drop over and die uh, because of the abuses she endured. But she didn't. She survived on horrible, horrible uh, means and on her own terms sought out and enacted revenge, which is, you know, something that, you know, Satanists espouse, you know, you should seek revenge for things that, um, you know, have been wronged on you. Uh, now, we, of course, do not endorse uh, physical violence by any means. Um, we are much more of the ritualistic revenge shtick. Uh, but, you know what? In this film, it was absolutely appropriate, and it was absolutely entertaining, and I would absolutely watch it again. Um, <laughs> I kind of had a hard time uh, afterward, but, you know, it, it was absolutely worth it. So, I highly recommend I Spit on Your Grave. It just came out. Um, pick it up. Netflix or something. All right, um, you know what? This is sort of the end of the podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you taking the time to hear me rant for an hour about fucking stupid shit uh, and the Church of Satan. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bazaar of the Bazaar. Before I go, I would like to do sort of a... Uh, a little bizarre of the bizarre. So, you know, just a little strange note or an event, just something that you kind of think is weird or funny about yourself or a quirk. Um, and, you know, share it with the entire world. And I'm going to start here. And I have probably a strong feeling I'm going to be the only one doing this for a couple of weeks. So you're going to hear some strange shit about me. Um, so here we go. Bizarre of the Bizarre featuring Adam. Uh, we bought a Connect for the Xbox. And for those of you who have been living under a rock, um, the Kinect is sort of the Xbox answer to controllerless controlling. You know, kind of like the Wii has little hand things you move around. Um, the PlayStation 3 has the little hand things you move around. The Xbox literally just has a camera and it picks up your motions um, naturally. And there's this uh, pretty fun uh, group or family game called Kinect uh, Sports, um, and we like to do the bowling on it. So it, essentially what it does is picks up the arms and you sort of you know mimic throwing a bowling ball um and my wife and i were drinking merlot at the time um, we had probably three glasses which for me is enough um and uh, i like to get a buzz on i don't like to get sloppy so i had this healthy buzz and we were actually playing with my son um who uh you know, was up at the time, and so I went to the other room to do something, check on something or whatever. I came back, and he wasn't there, and it was my turn. I looked at my wife, you know, I'm like, hey, so where's Gabriel? She's like, oh, he's in the bathroom. And I got to say this, because without making this note, this may sound a little weird. My son takes a long time in the bathroom. I mean, it's like he's, he's like reading War and Peace in there, and like looking at the freaking reference notes, and like wikiing all of the names and stuff. I mean, he's taking forever in the bathroom, which, you know, whatever, you know, do your thing, I don't care, but because I know that, I know that he takes a long time, I thought I could be a little bit goofy, I'm a little retarded at times, so I thought, well, hey, if, if the Kinect picks up my arms, 
what else would it pick up? You can kind of see where I'm going with this. Um, so I put my arms to this side and I, you know, pulled out what I had to pull out. And uh, I was like, if you can imagine, this is terribly embarrassing. I was literally like, like hands and feet, like standing like a freaking uh, nutcracker soldier, like jumping and twisting <laughs> toward the Xbox to see if it would pick up like any sort of motion and certainly enough in order to toss the ball <laughs> down the lane um and so i'm like jumping my wife is giggling like a little schoolgirl because it's this absurd ridiculous thing that you know who the fuck would do that um and like suddenly i just hear like this reverberating silence that you know it just you, you that sense you know when something's not right and i turn and i see my son staring at me <laughs> right in the bathroom door with his grin he's like uh dad is that your peepee i was like terrible just like you know put everything away as fast as i can i completely go red i'm completely embarrassed completely ashamed for what i was doing and uh, you know I, I looked down i was like look boy uh this was an adult moment that you were not supposed to be a part of. So I'm sorry that you saw that. You were not supposed to see that. Um, and, you know, when when he was being potty trained, you know, one of the ways we, we tried to get him to understand how to go was that, you know, whenever I had to pee or something, I'd show him, you know, when I had to go. It's like, this is how big boys pee. Um, so it's not like, you know, he's never seen anything before. And, you know, in high school, he's going to go and, take showers and stuff so he's gonna see it again so you know at the time i was really horrified and you know like my son walked into me and doing something really dumb but it was like fucking really funny um <laughs> especially after you've had a couple drinks uh but yeah so that's the kind of shit i do um and just to let you know i was never able to get that bowling ball to go down the fucking lane it was shaken i i, I take comfort in the fact that that bowling ball was moving it just, I couldn't get it far enough down the lane to release. Uh, <laughs> so with that, thank you for listening. This is Nine Cents. Hail Satan.